Support for Talking Heart on WVIK comes from the people at Quad City Bank and Trust, helping the local community with their banking and financial needs for more than 20 years. Information is at qcbt.com. Support also comes from the estate of Margaret Skinner, a longtime friend of WVIK and lover of the arts. This is Carolyn Martin, and today on Talking Art, we are going to explore the concept of creativity, because the creative process is essential for the development of all art forms, and also helps to define who we are as human beings. This fall, Augustana College opened a Center for Creativity on their campus, and here with me today is Dr. John Fouts, Professor of Music and the driving force behind the Center at Augustana. Welcome, Dr. Fouts. Thank you, Carolyn. I'm delighted to be here. Now, the Center for Creativity is an actual physical space on your campus where students are encouraged to think creatively and collaboratively. Why did you perceive a need for this type of place on your campus? Well, the Center for Creativity is something that has sort of become a trend in among uh, liberal arts colleges, although there aren't that many who are doing it, but we expect more and more to do that. Um, and uh, what the driving force behind it was that we have nine student learning outcomes, and one of them is considered creative thinking. And uh, the AACNU, which is American Association of Colleges and Universities, and even has a rubric for creative thinking, as it does critical thinking and lots of other things, global learning, etc. And so it is a, a pattern that most people in liberal arts education realize that uh, learning about creativity is something that we um, should be an emphasis. It's something that we are all born with, but somehow most of us feel like we've lost some of that somewhere along the way by coloring within the lines, for instance, uh, uh, use that as a metaphor for all types of learning. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Now, and you actually, because this is a physical space, you created it, you, you call it the Cat Lab, short for Catalyst, which I, I yeah. love. Um, describe for listeners what it looks like inside. Well, actually, it probably looks like we have low lights, we have a beanbag chair, we have a couch, we have a keyboard, piano keyboard, we have computer setups, uh, we have a projector, we have um, uh, sound uh, production materials, and we have... Um, uh, Toys, uh, I guess I can call them toys, sort of uh, um, a Connects, for instance. That's a brand name I should, probably shouldn't mention, but something like that that uh, people can use with their hands to create things. And uh, soon there will be a 3D printer or two and some other things like that. And so, But when you walk in, you might see the, the, the large screen TV that is hooked up for uh, students to uh, hook up their computers to, uh, sort of a, um, a a station for a, multi a group of students to share their information by computer. And uh, you'd see um, a door to a large store storage room. So we could use a lot more space. In that storage room, we have lots of things that there's just not room for yet. But uh, So it's not a large space, but it's a, a comfortable. I, I think that that was the whole purpose, was to make it seem like a lounge, some place that uh, I can just go and relax and talk with other people. Mm -hmm. You know, there's there are a lot of things in that room, and I'm not sure you probably already mentioned the whiteboards. I just love oh, them. They're right. they're yeah. round. They surround the walls, and people can write down anything on them. An idea they have, a problem they're working on. They can write a poem. They could write an equation down that they're working on if they're, you know, if they're a math major. It's um, it's really great. So that sparks then further conversation by other people who come into that into that room or space. Exactly. That's what we hope. And uh, so we we try to not have an agenda. 
with the room, but we have to, uh, to allow other people to bring their own agendas and uh, find collaboration. Mm-hmm. There's this idea that creative people are those who are immersed, you know, in the arts, say a student in, in music or the fine arts, but that's really a, mer- a misperception, uh, really all of us are creative, and and uh, you had said before that uh, that you want to make that distinction and to uh, emphasize the fact that all of us, people in math, science, um, counting, whatever you're studying, creativity is is really important. Exactly, they you're exactly right. That uh, there seems to be an illusion that um, the. I'm not creative because I don't play or I don't sing or I don't paint. And that is absolutely wrong. Um, So there are plenty of things that I do in singing that are not at all creative, like singing scales and doing warm-ups. What's creative about that? Nothing. It's not creative until I know my art form well enough and and what to know how I want to bring a creativity into that as far as an expression goes. Well, the same thing goes with a biologist who wants to tell us about, uh, uh, like uh, you have interviewed Dr. Tierney Brocious, and she is an artist as well as a biologist. She draws lots of paintings or uh, makes lots of uh, drawings about uh, insects and things like that. It's your specialty. And so uh, that's an example of someone outside of the uh, typical fine and performing arts who uh, use creativity in their teaching as well as in their life uh, type of thinking. Mm-hmm. I like to think about it from a mathematical standpoint. You know, sometimes the the solution to a really complex problem comes at us at, at very unexpected times, sometimes when we've shut our minds down, mm-hmm. uh, even. Um, and you also said earlier that experimentation and failure are important components of education. And I wanted to talk about that a little bit because it's really so interesting. Um, you told me earlier that it's completely fine to fail uh, and that that itself is a learning experience. Exactly. We're, we're very much interested in providing a safe environment for people to experiment. And if as long as we think we're getting a grade for that experimentation or that we are uh, limited to the parameters of which the syllabus says or something like that, then we uh, generally don't uh, get very creative. We, we say, oh, these are the parameters. I better stay within those parameters, and uh, or else I might uh, fail at that and have to do it again, or fail altogether. And so, yeah, th- uh, we want the safe environment that uh, that the most famous innovators that we can think of uh, failed many times and uh, stuck with it. Yeah. I think. yeah, you know, there's this quote from Thomas Edison that I had to look up, which is, I have not failed. I've just found 10,000 ways that won't work. Yeah. <laughs> and that, and that's, that's wonderful. Yeah, that's really apt. And do you think there's just something in our culture that, um, that makes us uh, more averse to experimentation and taking on something new, sticking our necks out a little bit? Do you think there's something ingrained in our educational systems that, that, uh, that caused that? Well, I think that's, uh, I think that's true. 
I think it's easy to be wrong uh, by saying all education does that to us, because that's that's not true either. There's many uh, wonderful teachers out there who really cultivate creativity and through all ages, and that's wonderful. Uh, but there, but anytime you are preparing for a test, and we do a lot of testing in uh, elementary and uh, middle and senior high schools, and uh, that that a lot of weight is put on those things, perhaps not as much as in China and in uh, even the European system, but we do a lot. And so we, pre- parents realize this this test is important. You need to get a good night's sleep tonight, and you need to get those read those questions uh, very carefully so you get them right. And, uh, and that is important, for sure. But the message, I think, that is told to that kid is, gee, I better... Um, uh, I better not waste my time coloring or waste my time making a piece of art because um, that's not going to be on the test. Mm-hmm. So we're unintentionally right. doing this. Um, you know, and then and then we're in a situation now where things are changing so rapidly. And, and you, as an educator, have this very difficult task of teaching students skills for a future world that's, that's really hard for us to imagine. Um, what we're educating people for now, those those skills or tasks that they're learning, they're becoming obsolete very quickly. Yeah, that's a very good point. And so uh, we at Augustana and many other schools are rethinking what should be the majors that will um, that will prepare people for for a job in 20 years and what jobs are going to be obsolete or uh, or so um, specific that uh, we can't possibly educate them specifically for a job. And so that's what liberal arts education is all about, is trying to get people to know how to think and how to be creative so that they can apply that creativity to, well, I don't know yet how to be involved in artificial intelligence, for instance, but I can be very flexible because I have these skills that I worked on uh, through my uh, college education that preparing me to be flexible. And I think, you know, the typical word is think outside the box. But think uniquely. You know, there's so many aspects of undergraduate life that are, are um, they're beautiful. They're really difficult times too, of course. But but part of what's great um, about being an undergraduate is finding this community, whether or not it's, you know, intellectual or otherwise. Um, do you think that we are becoming more isolated to a greater degree now compared with students in the past, despite our technological advances? And is that isolation, if, you know, if, if it's, if it's, present to a greater degree now? Is that isolation somewhat stifling us creatively? Great creatively? question. Yeah, Carolyn, that's a great question. Um, if you walk on our campus, and maybe this is everywhere, um, you could probably count the people who do not have earphones or headphones on as they're walking across campus on one hand. It, it's just uh, we have learned to allow technology to shut us down from each other. And so um, just uh, eye contact and greeting someone saying hello uh, often requires someone to pull their headphone out so they can hear what you're going to say. And uh, that's that's unusual, you know, and as we know from you know uh, all kinds of social media that uh, we are very much connected to that, and that shuts down conversation. Mm-hmm. Um Professors know this, not just Augustana, and uh, but elsewhere. And um, no matter how frustrating it is to assign collaborative assignments and projects, it's, it's frustrating because it's hard to grade them. It's hard to. There's always somebody who doesn't get involved, and there's some always somebody who perhaps 
uh, writes the whole project or works, uh, is the driving force, and it's hard for, to evaluate that. But group projects do require people to talk and to be in a room face-to-face. And um, we think that's important because uh, what we see of Augustana is not just about job marketing, but what we do see after Augustana is many jobs where people are working together, sitting at a table across the room, collaborating, negotiating, and uh, ideating or creating ideas for um, a project. And uh, then Augustana should be, uh, if this is a wave of the future that with um, a different job market, then we want to be part of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. You'd mentioned that term ideation, and and there is a little bit of a distinction, uh, which I thought was 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 fun to, to learn about between these maker doer spaces, which is was what what you've really established with your center and an ideation space. Um, can you talk about the the differences between those? Well. Um, I think that, uh, well, for instance, my son teaches at a high school that has two separate uh, spaces, an ideation space, which is a clean space. There's computers there. It's clean in the sense that uh, it it looks like a regular classroom. Well, no, it doesn't, not with all those kind of chairs and rows. But it is uh, a lot of technology in there, okay? So ideation. uh, And then um, there are maker-doer spaces. Well, we think of those as being dirtier, Yes, there's uh, whiteboards that half erased or half filled out or whatever, and uh, and nobody really cares about that. It's okay. It doesn't have to look clean. Uh, There are uh, a lot of markers all over the place and and unfinished, perhaps, artwork or uh, posters being made, that kind of thing. And so a maker-do space allows us to be in process or in progress. And um, whereas an ideation space, I think, is for a more limited amount of time, meeting there, we're going to talk about this with my group was working on a project and um, just collaborate and see what happens and then we leave the room and the room is open for somebody else to do something uh, whereas the makerspace uh, may stay dirtier for a while mm-hmm. when you were um, thinking about this project and and uh, proposing it were there other models around the country that you used as for 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 an example, that you, that you wanted to emulate? Right. That's a great question as well. Thank you. Um, the We started talking about this four years ago. So that was with uh, – so now we are on our third provost who's been involved in this. In that period this. of time. Yeah, in that <laughs> period of time. And we've had good administrative support, uh, but the um, but it just hasn't clicked. Uh, hadn't clicked until the end of last year that uh, this could really happen and it could happen then. And so um, that was great to, to find that. The reason why I'm saying that is that it just doesn't um, – it didn't just happen in a second or in a flash. I read something and, okay, let's do that. There's been um, – and so along the line, there's probably been 18 to 20 people, faculty members, involved with me on this project. Um, and some right from the very beginning. Some have dropped out because they're, they're – um, or left the college for, for whatever reason, but also because they're, they've taken on other committee roles, roles that have required lots of time. But um, – 
So it is. It has been a slow process in that sense, but it's uh, been worthwhile. So as far as what sources we looked at, there's lots of articles about this, but lots of schools have done very well about this. I just saw in I think New York Times uh, about Skidmore College, and, we, and that was one of our sources that uh, they had this creativity effort that was campus wide uh, four years ago. So they were one of the four uh, uh, leaders in this. And then another university, uh, Buffalo State University, has even a master's, and we're talking about getting a doctorate in creative thinking. Hmm. So um, so there's lots of academic approach to this as well as – so that's part of the ideation part, but then there's lots of places where there's dirty spaces and people are making a, a five-string violin on a 3D printer – and playing it, and I, you can Google that and see it on YouTube. Wow. And so, yeah. Are high schools doing this as well, or is it mainly higher education? Uh, well, I feel like we need to be doing it at Augustana because high schools are doing it. And uh, like I said, my son ha- teaches at a high school in Illinois uh, that has those spaces. But then um, uh, one close to us is uh, John Seo High School has just renovated their building and included, uh, uh, I'm not sure what they call it, but a maker-doer space of some sort. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm kind of uh, wondering if this could be expanded beyond Augustana and college campuses and into communities as well. Yeah. You know, it'd probably work better in a smaller community, but um, it might be something for the next uh, big table to talk about, whether or not there could be a place for people in the Quad Cities to just to come together and and have their ideas, you know, physical a physical space. And that was, of course, the idea behind the um, big table event, but that's kind of, a, of a getting off topic a little bit. Um, so what lessons what lessons have you learned so far since you've been you just opened this last semester um, right. in the fall of 2018 I think what I uh, what I learned is that there's lots of people very interested in this and doing creativity in a quiet way uh, uh, in their classrooms and and uh, in their studios and in their um, uh, lives and off and on campus and so I'm encouraged by that I'm uh, learned some patience that in academia <laughs> you don't get things done the next day even though you have a great idea <laughs> it takes a while and of course uh, a lot of that has to do with convincing the people who have who uh, What's the phrase? But to control the purse sp- strings. Ah, um, uh, yes, the purse strings. Yeah. <laughs> they do come into play yes. in almost everything. Yeah, they do. So um, part of what we hope to do is that th- this is a temporary space that hopefully will become part of um, a larger space that is the plan is renovating Bergendorf Hall of Fine and Performing Arts. Um, that is the building attached to Centennial Hall. Most of our listeners will know about Centennial Hall, if not Bergendorf Hall. And that needs some renovation. Uh, I hate to say it's an old building because it was created the same year I was. But anyway, <laughs> it needs some renovation. Or maybe I do too. But um, the uh, that will, um, by putting some, by gathering some funding for that building, and there is effort through the administration that's being done toward that, um, we will uh, hopefully have a larger space that include ideation and a dirty space, and um, with on the front with lots of glass and people can look in and see what's going on and uh, be motivated by that and say in a welcoming space like, oh, I'd like to go in there when I have free time. I'll go tomorrow or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, if, are, you th- are you thinking about 
having satellite spaces as well, because you had said to me that that Bergenhof is a is a music kind of fine arts building, and and so a lot of students in science or math will come in there, but you may try to open up satellite exactly. areas that that are more accessible to them. Exactly. We uh, we have made that known that we'd like to do that kind of thing, and the director of uh, residential life has volunteered a space in one of our dormitory uh, lounges. Westerland Lounge has a fairly large room that uh, is uh, has not been used in a number of years, and so we are looking to move into that in the next few weeks, actually, as well. Open a new one. I don't mean move. Um, and because it, the cost of having one is really... Uh, uh, finding uh, a donated couch and, and donated chair and some lights and things like that um, because the other things can can be uh, easily found on campus so and moved into there. So uh, other than uh, paying some students to, uh, to be there when the 3D printers are being operated uh, and any kind of thing that needs safety, then... Uh, there's nothing stopping us from opening a second one, and I, and there talk about there is talk that a third one could be opened after the new annex for the Hanson Hall is complete, which would be a year and a half or something like that. And so, uh, wouldn't that be great if the up uh, near the dorms there was one, and in the science building there was one, and then in the fine and performing arts another one? Yeah, so. I think the dorm idea particularly is great. Thinking yeah. back on college life. Um, People are, are, are more apt to be talking a little bit more freely, exactly. um, you know, outside of the classroom, um, outside of the classroom space. So uh, and and uh, I should have mentioned and you alluded to it briefly that that you do have uh, funds for to hire students. You have some students who who physically staff the place. That's right. Yeah. And that's really nice. Yeah, I uh, interviewed uh, a number of people um, who were interested in doing this, and it, and uh, I was amazed at the uh, the the people who uh, interviewed their creativity and how they're using creativity now. And some one young man from Zimbabwe has two 3D printers at home, you know. So that's. Uh, so that's great. Yeah, it is great. Now, I want to talk briefly about what else you do at Augustana because you've had a very full and varied career there. Uh, you are a professor of music. Mm-hmm. And when you came to Augustana in the late 1980s, you initially did – you, did you establish the opera program there? Right, I did. Yeah, so the opera program has been going since uh, since I arrived around uh, 19 19- – I arrived in 1987, but uh, so probably the opera program's first season was in 1989, and um, it's a um, it's not a large program; it's an undergraduate program, and uh, and just recently, well, in the last three years, I uh, gave that up five years now, I guess, sorry, to become the division chair for fine and performing arts. And uh, so now a very capable uh, woman uh, voice teacher, uh, Michelle, Dr. Michelle Crouch, has taken that over and taken it to a new level. And uh, I'm very, couldn't be prouder of that. Yeah, so. she's, she's a lovely person. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you teach some studio voice lessons, and, and you have an interest in African music. Exactly. That's right. So I'm teaching an African music class right now. I usually teach about once a year, and I go to Africa twice a year and do some teaching there and uh, research as well. And uh, so, and then, of course, yes, teach. I've always taught voice lessons as mm-hmm. well. 
Well, that's great. Dr. John Fouts, thank you so much for your work bringing the new Center for Creativity to the Augustana College campus and for talking with me today. It's, It's been delightful. Thank you, Carolyn. This has been Carolyn Martin, Talking Art in the Quad Cities for WVIK. Our theme music is provided by a Quad City legend, the late Ellis Cal. Thank you.